Hey mama, this is Carianna and Kayla, two best friend moms and your co-hosts of Sleep Talking Moms. We know that tackling sleep issues can feel overwhelming and confusing, so we are here to provide you with practical sleep advice. We want you to walk away from each episode with information you can actually use. Let's dive in and talk sleep. Welcome back to the Sleep Talking Moms. We are excited to be here with you today, and we are going to talk about separation anxiety, which everybody loves separation anxiety, right? Uh, Yeah, it is uh, kind of a current favorite over here, so (laughs) this will be really great for us to talk about. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, I mean, I know that Kayla, you can relate to this for sure, so many parents I've talked to separation anxiety now when it happens in this day and age we're in is just so much harder because so many of our kids have been with us 24 seven or, you know, have not been around other caregivers as much as usual because of COVID. And so it just makes it that much more frustrating and so much more of a struggle. Absolutely. We are definitely there and I'll be excited to kind of share our stories um, because I know that we are on over here. We've been at the very, very like most extreme COVID bubble um, out of anybody that I know. So um, I have, I have a little bit of insight into what that looks like, how we've handled it, that type of thing. So if you're anywhere between not as, um, I don't know, not as what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, strict or yeah, not as strict or yeah. You're on one part of this. Yes. You're on one part of the spectrum or the other. Um, I think that we definitely have some advice that we can give you there. Yes. Yes. So let's talk a little about why separation anxiety happens. So, Um, really it can happen anytime after usually around six months, that is when object permanence happens, which if you haven't heard of object permanence, basically it means, you know, you put a ball in front of your baby, you take the ball away and put it behind your back. When they've reached object permanence, they understand that that ball still exists, even though it's, they can't see it. And, um, before that point, they, they don't recognize that, okay, mom or dad exist outside of myself when they're, you know, in a different room. And so when they do realize that it just means they're going to miss you more and they're going to, you know, have a harder time separating from you, um, So yeah, lots of fun there. Um, (laughs) Usually, you know, it can peak. Um, It's different for every child, but we see a lot of it kind of peaking around that eight month range. And then around 18 months, those I would say are the peak times when, at least on my end, I hear of it disrupting sleep a lot. Doesn't mean that you can't have a 10 month old or a 13 month old who also struggles with it. Um, But those are just some typical times where it really rears its ugly head. 
Okay, so you kind of talked about why separation anxiety happens and, and when we can usually see it, but how does it present? What does it look like so that our audience knows what they can be looking out for? Yeah, what to look for. So typically it's going to be any time that, you know, your child is maybe suddenly freaking out or upset when you leave the room, maybe you're not even leaving the room, but you're leaving their field of vision. Um, You know, they can't see you because you are, you know, on the other side of a wall or something. Anytime that you're kind of leaving their field of vision, that's when it can happen. And, um, you know, it's just going to be protesting and, and sometimes it's going to present more with that primary caregiver and it may not present with anyone else. So if you're a stay at home mom, you may only experience it when you're leaving their field division. It may not be when their other caregivers leave, or it could be when any caregiver, you know, is leaving their field division. It just depends on the child. Um, a lot of times we will see it in tears at daycare drop-off or at nap in bedtime, um, which is why we're talking about this, because those are times when you will be setting them down and leaving. Um, so that's usually what it's going to present as. And Kayla, I know that you you know, like you said, you guys have dealt with this on and off. You've dealt with it um, maybe a little to the extreme side, I'm sure you would say because of COVID. And Absolutely. so just share some of your experience about what you guys have gone through. Sure. Um, okay. So our, our smallest child, Imri, he is on his way to being two years old. So most of his life has been covid Um, He has been to one restaurant. He has been to um, a grocery store one time. So his experiences have been us and at home. Um, And I am immunocompromised. So I was really big on not letting anybody. And that includes when we moved all the way back to my hometown. That includes, you know, my best friend. That includes my mom um, not coming in. And so Uh, We rely heavily, my husband and I, on each other. Um, I am a stay-at-home parent. And so that first kind of eight-month one, I remember not being as big, but it was way bigger with me. Um, Imri, I I kind of always say, I don't know if any of you guys watched the show Dinosaurs, um, but the baby on there slaps the dad with a pan (laughs) and says, not the mama. Um, At our house, it is very much mama and not the mama. And everybody that is not me is not the mama. (laughs) Um, So we had a little bit of that happened. um, But like most recently, I'd say starting around 18 months, and it has not been linear for us. It hasn't been like he had this bout of separation anxiety for two weeks and then it was done. It's been like here and there, and it's lasted a couple days or only one night. Um, It kind of started when my husband and my oldest went on vacation and he was cutting his teeth. Um, So it was always like really hard of like, okay, is he cutting his teeth? Is it separation anxiety? Is it both? Um, But I very much erred on the, did he get his Tylenol? Did he get his sippy? So does he have a clean diaper? Is he fed? If he's hurting, did I take care of that? And if I've done everything that I can to deal with that, then it's up to him 
to deal with the rest and he needs to learn how to handle not being with us and what that looks like for him. And so um, I may be on an extreme side of taking care of it, but once all of his needs that I could, I, I could handle myself um, were taken care of, then I left the rest up to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And I love how you say that because you made sure that his needs were addressed. And what I think, I think we get into, oh, I don't know. We get into the wrong headspace sometimes about separation anxiety. And we like, feel like we need to protect them from having these feelings. And we don't, right? Like we don't have to protect them from ever feeling uncomfortable, from being frustrated. We want them to experience that. And my perspective is, and especially in your case, you know, where Imri has, for a very long time, fallen asleep on his own. He knows his crib. Like that is his safe place. It's not a new foreign place for him. And so there's nothing wrong with us using. And I would actually say that's a great everyday practice for him to learn. Like when you go into your crib, you're in a safe space that you know, and it's sleep time. And you always see that mom comes back. Mom always comes back after nap time. Mom always comes back in the morning. I mean, what better way to deal with separation anxiety than that predictability and that constant like day in day out pattern that he's seen for months and months and months. Right. And I think that one of the important things to remember is, is that this is like the first bout of separation anxiety that your kid's going to going to feel, but then, you know, our goal, right, as parents is to get our kids to a place of independence and whatever that means. And so getting your kid to independently sleep and then to get your kid to go to school, you know, they're going to feel separation anxiety again there. And then when you take them to college, like all of those things are different bouts of separation anxiety that you have as a kid. And so these are skills that are going to continue to build we just need that foundation. Yeah. I just think, I don't know. Sometimes I just feel like, you know what? Nap time and sleep time is like this perfectly built in way for us to slowly work on that independence, right? To just gradually get it there and there because they get that practice every day. And we also know from, you know, the mental health aspect, the stay at home parent aspect, even if you're not a stay at home parent, you need that time to yourself too. You know, it's, it's, I mean, I'm sure there are some families that do not mind being attached to their little ones 24 seven. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know, me and Kayla are not those families. (laughs) That is not our experience or our personalities. And I don't think there's a right or a wrong way, but for me, that is so important. And that nap and bedtime gives me what I need, gives them what they need. And I just think it's so mutually important. Absolutely. Um, okay. So if you, if we're talking about the separation anxiety, um, how can we get to a place where both we feel comfortable and maybe we can kind of slowly get our kids to feel more comfortable with being separated from us? So I have a couple things that I recommend doing, you know, the first one, and this is something that we can be doing from the very beginning with our children is practicing leaving them, you know, so that, that doesn't have to be like huge 
things where we're leaving them for days at a time or for hours at a time. It could literally be like mom leaving the child with the other caregiver so that she can go out and go for a 10 minute walk around the block. Um, you know, practicing those bouts of being away and you can work up to them being longer so that you can be gone for hours. Um, you can be gone for days, you know, if that's something that, that you're wanting to do, but just having those blocks of practicing from the very beginning can really be helpful. And, you know, with COVID right now, if that's just leaving them with your significant other, or, you know, with one trusted person that you're kind of having in your social circle, that's okay. If that's more people, if that's having a babysitter, you know, if that's having grandparents watch them, whoever that may be, but get that practice so that they are familiar with being away from you and leaving your side. And I know it may sound kind of silly, um, but we did do this last summer. Um, I was able to let my mom come in a few times and we actually, this is very type A of me, which is pretty on point, but I (laughs) practiced with her and I did the, okay, I'm just going to run. I would drop him off at my mom's house. Well, at first she would come over here because I know that this environment is somewhere that he knows. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she would come over here. I would be like, okay, I'm going to go get a sweet tea from McDonald's. And I'd leave and I'd be gone for literally four or five minutes. I'd come back in. Maybe he screamed the whole time. Maybe he didn't. Um, It really just depended. And we got him, honestly, guys, we like trained him so that he was comfortable so that my husband and I could leave for a half day for our anniversary. So it sounds silly, but you are essentially training your child to be ready for whatever mm-hmm. it is. So, and it, and yeah. it worked. So yeah. we may and be back to square one now <laughs> again, but <laughs> considering we haven't done it in so long, but at that time it worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is, it's just all about giving, you know, you were giving Imery those experiences of being with someone else where you were away. So he could experience it, see that everything was fine, see that you come back. So next time the idea is it's not going to seem as stressful because he will have that previous experience, you know, and, and yeah, that's huge. I cannot overstate how much that helps. Um, The next thing I would recommend is not sneaking away. And I know this is a hard one. Um, I think this is kind of the default sometimes. So, you know, if we're experiencing separation anxiety at the daycare drop-off maybe, and so we stay with them, we get them distracted by something and then we sneak out. Um, or if we're dealing with it at sleep time, maybe we stay in the room until they've settled until they're drowsy until they're asleep. And then we sneak out. Um, typically that's not what I recommend because that's not necessarily giving them that chance to process like, Oh yes, mom is leaving or dad is leaving. Um, And then especially with sleep, what it can actually do is they start to learn like, okay, when I fall asleep, that's when mom leaves. And so I'm going to resist sleep more because I really don't want mom to leave. And so it can kind of play into that, just making it take longer and longer until they go to sleep or you start experiencing the night wakings and then you have to come back in lay down on the floor with them until they fall asleep, sneak out again. And it just kind of starts to wreak havoc. So I don't recommend sneaking away. Instead, I would say, be calm, be confident, 
leave like you normally would, you know, let them know it's, it's okay to narrate and say, I know you're upset. I know you don't want me to leave. It's sleep time. I'm going to leave now. Be confident, leave and, and leave it at that, you know? Yeah. And make it, I mean, don't obviously don't make it rushed or anything, but make it like she said, very confident, very, you know, kind of quick, short term so that it's not like, you know, if they start getting upset that you're like comforting them and like, I'm not saying don't comfort your kids, but you know, like, so that you're not catering to them, you need Mm -hmm. like, you're the person that's in charge. So you, you know, this is how it's going to be. And this is what we're doing. And I'll be back in a couple hours or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so that they kind of know, or if you, I don't know our house, obviously our kids don't know time. So like, I'll say like, I'll be back before dinner, mommy will be home for dinner. Um, so that they can kind of understand that mommy is coming back and she'll be eating with us or whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good point, Kayla. Like when we linger, that shows them that we are unsure. Well, that too. Yes. Yes. It shows that, okay, there's a cause and effect here. And that definitely happens as they get older. It's It's not, um, I would not say it's manipulation, but they can understand cause and effect. I do this mom responds this way. Um, you know, so it's normal for them to use those patterns and to play off those patterns, but then also lingering is going to show that you're unsure that you yourself are feeling anxious and that is not going to help the situation. So usually if we're leaving, you know, either quickly or just like we usually would, that is going to help convey that calm confidence to them. Um, The third thing I would really recommend is just having your consistent routines. When you're dealing with separation anxiety, I know there's a strong urge to change up all your routines and to do things differently. But what you need to remember is that consistent routine to them, that is safety, that is predictability, that is comfort. Um, And so when we change things, that can actually add more anxiety into the mix because they're like, okay, now what's happening this time and what's happening this time? Whereas if we just do the same thing every time and they know that routine to expect, they're not going to have that wondering what's coming next. Yeah. And guys, you don't have to be afraid to be, you know, too type A or whatever. I will go ahead and give you permission now. I (laughs) wrote when I was pregnant with my second, I wrote an entire binder that had different, um, like different files in it of this is what we do in the morning. These are the breakfasts that my son likes. Like it was an entire binder guys. I'm not kidding. Um, but the thing about that, that was important to me is that I can't control when I'm going to be having the second child, right? I had no control in that, but what I did have control over was, okay, he knows what bedtime looks like. He knows that he will get to do a, B and C before bedtime, regardless of who is taking care of him. Um, and so it was important for me that he felt safe, even if it wasn't me that was there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It's very, very important for me, um, for my kid to feel safe and wherever he's at. And so being able to give him at least that um, kind of made all the difference in me when I was gone, but also knowing that he was fine as well. Another vote for writing things down. I mean, when my first was born, I worked outside of the home and I worked weird hours and my mom watched 
Ethan a lot when he was a baby and I wrote everything down. (laughs) And I mean, I think probably at first she was a little annoyed, but it, it really helped both of them to thrive. And it also helped me to know what happened, what she was doing. If it was a weird day for some reason, know where it went wrong. Um, yeah, that's, that's huge. I love writing things down and giving them to people and saying, here, please follow this. Yeah. And I hope that one day we really can get like our moms on to talk about what this experience was like for them when they watched our kids and like what they would do differently, all of that kind of stuff, because I think it would be really interesting to get mother or mother-in-law's perspective of mm-hmm. us as parents. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And I know we've talked about this, like we know that they did things very differently from how yes. we do things. So I, I like that. I like that future episode idea. We're going to have to work on that. Okay. So last thing I would say when we're dealing with separation, anxiety, and sleep, and I've kind of hinted at this the whole way, but I really just want us to be putting things in perspective and just reminding ourselves that bedtime and nap time, those are everyday, safe, predictable opportunities for your child to learn that you always come back when you say you will, that you always come back. They know the routine. What better way for them to learn this and to work through the separation anxiety than in the safety of their home, you know, day in and day out with you. So I think that's huge. And I know sometimes, um, you know, we may think about separation anxiety in a daycare setting when you drop your child off with a different caregiver and they may have separation anxiety and yeah, that's frustrating and that sucks, but usually none of us are like quitting our jobs or calling off that day to stay with them during that separation anxiety, right? We're like, you know what, this is a part of life and we comfort them. We leave, we go about our day. But for some reason, when it comes to bedtime and nap time, it's a lot harder to kind of stick with our, you know, attitude of this is part of life and we're still going to do business as usual. So I don't know where that disconnect happens, but I would just encourage you keep it in perspective and just remember it is, it is just a great built-in way every day for them to figure this separation out and that you always come back. All right, guys, that's it for us today. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast about separation anxiety. And remember, if you can follow along on Instagram, follow all the sleeps. Um, Carrianna will be talking about separation anxiety throughout the week um, so that you guys can get a little bit more help with that. And thank you so much for listening again, guys. We love you. Thank you so much for listening to the Sleep Talking Moms podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to rate and review. Each review helps more tired and overwhelmed moms find simple and practical sleep advice. See you back here soon.